Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I am thankful that you've joined in today. I think I may be a little more excited today than usual, mainly because all of today's content was totally unplanned and unexpected and is developing relevance and results in my life real time, like last night and today. So I have that double great feeling going right now that says, hey, this little change in my language to others, especially my kids, is already bearing good results. And then, of course, I always love getting to share ideas with you that I really believe will help. So here's how this all came together. Yesterday, I'm on my way to the office to record an episode. I had the idea all fleshed out in my mind. I don't ever use notes or scripts or anything, but I was good to go. But just before I started recording, I thought I would take a few minutes and look at Yahoo. I was going to try to read up a little bit on the Ukraine situation so I don't sound like a total idiot when people ask me about it. But right up near the top, just under the Russia crisis, was a Yahoo article about a parenting counselor who is also apparently a big TikTok star. She has three quarters of a million followers. Her name is Tia Slidem. If you are on TikTok, you can find her at Parenting Coach. Anyway, the title of the Yahoo article was this. Parenting Coach says using when instead of if will decrease struggles with kids. And that title immediately drew my attention. Firstly, because I believe that improving the manner in which we communicate with other people will make every relationship better. And secondly, because I'm still raising kids and anything that might help me communicate better with them is worth a few minutes of my time. Anyway, I read the article and it was good and there was a link to her actual TikTok video, which is quite short. And so I think what I would like to do here at the outset is just recite for you the content of what she said. So she opens like this. If your house sounds like this, then I want you to make one simple change. If you don't get ready for bed, no books. If you don't eat your dinner, no dessert. If you don't get ready right now, then no TV for the rest of the week. If, 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 if. If you feel like you are the monster of if, all it does is come out of your mouth all day long. I want you to know that you are opening the gates for a power struggle. Every time you say if, you open the door to argue with your kids. Every time you say if, it's like picking up your end of the rope in a tug of war and they pick up the other end and we see who wins. So instead of saying if, I want you to change it to win. So instead of saying if you don't get ready for bed, no books, you say when. You get ready for bed, we'll read some books. When you get finished with dinner, then it will be time for dessert. When you go where you're told, then it will be time for television. 
She ends by saying, give that a try and see how it goes. So after listening to that a couple of times yesterday, I started thinking about its implications with my kids, which I'll talk to you about some today. But it also began to broaden out to more of a universal sense to me. The way God communicates with me and me with him, the way my wife and I should speak, and even how I might address any kind of disagreement or friction with anybody, even if there isn't some authority construct. But I wasn't super confident yet that I wanted to share it with you or how I would flesh it out. But I think that actually worked out really well because last night I got to go home and talk to Summer about it and we discussed our approach with our older children and also our younger ones. She made a great observation about how this may work as kids get a little bit older and you are transitioning them to a reward concept, but maybe not so well with little kids who can't understand that. And at that point, I was pretty convinced I would record this for you today, but then it got even better than that. I was writing my prayers to the Lord this morning, and I was communicating to God something that I knew I needed to do better in my life, and that I entirely believe that God will richly bless me if I do. And so I started writing something like this, if I will do this, and then I paused, and I actually went back with the pencil and erased it and wrote in its place, Lord, when I do this, I know that you will receive me and richly bless me. So I kind of fell in love with the positivity of the tone and also this sense of expectation. When you're talking about if, it's saying this may go one way or it may go another, and we have to list all of the attached repercussions. But when you say when, it's kind of settled law. This is just the way that it is, and when I hop on board, good things will happen. So I want to use the rest of this episode fleshing some of that out for you in various relationships, but let's begin with talking to parents about the authority relationship they have and the way that they communicate with their children. I am totally sure that there is someone listening saying, I don't like this. I don't like this language change. We're parents. We lay down the rules. It is what it is. To which I would probably pull a Dr. Phil on you and say, how's that working out for you? And you might respond to me and say, Chris, it's working out great. We lay out the consequences. They get scared and they do the right thing. To which I would say, great, I'm really thankful that's working out for you. I would still tell you that as they transition into the teenage years and young adulthood, and as they move out from under your leadership, completely under the care of the Lord, it would be good if their relationship with God was not purely based on fear and consequences and negative outcomes. As I hope to share with you today, my relationship with God is not fear and punishment based. It is mercy based. It is about his goodness and the great blessing of what happens when I follow his paths. So while I am genuinely happy for you, I would still suggest that you work in whens or at least positive connotations, even in times of conflict. But if you're someone who doesn't like all of this language manipulation, softer approach stuff because of the way you were raised, but things are not going well presently with your kids, then I guess I would say, welcome to life. This important process by which you understand that in order to make the people around you better, you have to get better. 
And maybe the way that you communicate is a big part of that. So let me go ahead and get back to the content of the video. What she seems to be suggesting is when you come in with, if you do this, this bad thing will happen. Or if you do not do that, this bad thing will happen. You are taking an already tense moment, loading it up with negative feedback and also really challenging them to see if they dare to do the wrong thing. Now, we both know that our children should not pick up the rope to pull against us, but it's almost like we're poking at the part of them that might. And by the way, why am I holding my end of the rope anyway? This isn't a battle. And maybe that's part of the solution here. Our language is creating this system wherein they are given at least two choices and we are trying to scare them away from the wrong one. I'm not real sure parenting is about providing choices. Instead, maybe it's about laying down reasonable requirements, attaching great blessings to good behavior, and then just leaving it there. Now, as Summer said, this will not work with a young child who cannot communicate or understand the rewards of good behavior, but before long, we can most certainly get them to see this. So let's talk about how. There are three approaches you could take. The parenting coach illuminates the most negative option. If you do this, something bad happens. Now, what are you going to do? We can keep the if and try to use more optimistic language. If you eat your food, we can go watch television. If you go and brush your teeth, then we will sit down and play cards before bed. And I will tell you that if that's the only change you feel like you can make right now, then go ahead and make that change. Summer and I have prioritized that language in our home for a very long time. The first approach is, if you do that, here are great things that we want to happen. Great things for you and for us. Which, by the way, is very much the way our gracious and wonderful God offers his son's blessings to us. Are there consequences for bad behavior? Will they get a spanking if they don't brush their teeth? Yeah, maybe so. And they know that. We've told them that. There's a place for it. But it is not the cadence or culture of our home to continue to dwell on bad things related to bad behavior. Because we're not trying to build children who don't do bad things. We're trying to build adults who understand the value of good things. But I really think we should go even farther than that and make the move from if to when for a couple of reasons. The first we just discussed, it pretty much locks in positive outcomes for good behavior. When you quiet down, we can go. When you're ready to be reasonable, we can work through this. Or to my teenager, when you wash my car, you can drive yours. But do you see what else is happening besides it becoming more positive and less argumentative? It has this built-in sense of inevitability. Not if, but when. When I wrote that prayer this morning, it wasn't, Lord, if I would just do this, I know things will go well. It was, when I do this, I know that you'll be there. That doesn't sound like something I'll leave undone. It will be up to me when to do it, but I'm going to do it. I know I need to do it, and I know exactly what the outcome will be. When I talk to my kids and use that word, I'm telling them, I know you're going to do the right thing. It's not a matter of if you're going to do the right thing. We're done talking like that. So when you're ready to hop on board, this is the good thing that will come out of it. 
I think there's this sense that we can just force our kids to do things, and there's probably some truth to that up to a certain age. But that's kind of my point today. There comes an age when it has to be about more than just being forced to do something to get out of punishment. Because I want these kids to grow up and love and respect us even when we can't force them. Because when they do that, they are a blessing to us and us to them. And that scales really well to our relationship with God. I worship God not because if I don't, I'll go to hell. I worship God because when I do, the blessings are unimaginable. You might say, well, with my eight-year-old, this means it could take a while. And that's probably true. There will take some extra patience. But I'm 43, and I'm pretty sure God feels the same way about me. But one other benefit to the when language is that there really isn't any room for argumentation or banter or negotiation. They aren't battling you anymore. They're only battling themselves. If you pose some if-then dark scenario, they pick up their end of the rope and start pulling. But when you come out and say, when you finish dinner, we'll all watch a movie. The conversation is kind of over. At this point, the only person they're battling is themselves. Because I've already told them, I know you're going to do it. It's reasonable, and it has to happen, and I know something great's going to happen afterwards. Now it's completely up to you to decide when you're ready to accept it. I know I'm turning this into an entire episode on parenting, but Summer and I have tried this language a great many times over the years. When our six-year-old is in their room crying, we don't say, if you come out and you're still crying, you're going to get a spanking. We say, when you're ready to come out without crying, we'd love for you to come play a game with us. At that point, it's kind of up to them, and I like that. All right, in the last five minutes or so, let me branch this out and talk about other relationships. You've heard me mention a couple of times about the connection between God and me. He is the authority in my life. And you may be able to cite verses and email them to me where God says, if you do this, then this happens. If you don't do this, then that happens. And you'd be right. But I would ask you to take a peek and see how many of those are worded in a positive way because God is a qualifier. He wants to save you. He's not a disqualifier trying to find a reason to punish you. I mean, if he was looking for reasons to punish us, he would not have to look very long. So even when God uses if-then language, there is an air of hope, isn't there? The mercy of the Lord, the sacrifice of Jesus, the love of God. We never once question the fact that God loves us. And his rules are absolute. There's no room for negotiation. But when I do them, he has attached unbelievable blessings. And so it's not about me arguing with God saying, God, I don't know if I like this rule and can you change that consequence? It's just me battling myself. When am I going to just do what God said and receive the blessings of Jesus that he died to give me? As I express that to you, can you feel it? Not only this sense of optimism and positive outcomes, but this sense of inevitability. There's no debating or challenging, just me making the decision to embrace the grace of God in exactly the way he told me. So I hope you can see how the when over if model works with God in both directions. When you're praying to him, use when as you acknowledge his will for your life, and when you think about the way he sees you, 
understand his ever-present expectation that you can do well and that great things can happen. Okay, one more line of thought here before we close, and admittedly, I'm pretty early on in my thinking of how this would work. But can this when language work even where there isn't a clear-cut authority construct? Maybe I'm talking about the conversation between husbands and wives. I mean, there is a headship in the home, but basically in communication of desires and needs, there's a lot of equality. When you're communicating with a friend that you're having some issue with, And largely, this is about when these small conflicts, maybe larger ones, arise in our relationships and how we handle our side of it, especially when we want them to do something different than they're doing. Perhaps this could apply to brothers and sisters in Christ or brothers and sisters in the flesh, or maybe even someone you just met. Somehow, things have already gone crossways. And your initial approach to resolution is, if you do that, here is a consequence that is coming your way. A husband tells a wife, if you don't calm down, then, and I don't know what he says next, but it's probably not going to work out well. Because he's already created extra conflict on the scene, and punishment is now the theme of the interaction. I think we can at least start with if-then constructs that are rewarding. If you can calm down, then we can go on a walk and work through this. If you will give me your license and registration, we will get the information we need, and this fender bender will be behind us in no time. Now, I think you can already sense the kind of patience, kindness, and self-control that will be needed by you the one issuing the warning or reward. But even then, I like when better because it moves away from bartering and it just gets to, look, here is my expectation. When you're ready, I'm ready. If you feel like they need to calm down before the conversation can be productive, you don't say, if you don't calm down, this is really going to become a mess. You say, when you are ready, I would like to sit down and talk about this. But I would add this little tidbit to the end, whether an authority relationship or not. Be wise with your when. You're laying out a simple behavior to reward diagnosis. Don't make it unreasonable. When you jump 10 feet high, I'll clean the garage. Be sure it's something kind, reasonable, and good for you both. I gotta tell you, I'm only one day in. It's worked with one child, it's worked in prayers, and I'm kind of anticipating using it in other ways. And just like she said in the video, I would love to hear feedback from you on what happened in your life when you transitioned from if to when. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.